Hello, hi, and welcome back to a new episode of Two Teaspoons of Positivity. The date is the 26th of June, and the time is 1.43 a.m. EST. I apologize for not being able to release a new episode last week. Some stuff had come up. So this week's episode will have stories from what happened this week and what happened the previous week. So this might be a longer episode, but we'll do our best to get through them as quickly as possible. Having said that, let's look at some of our big stories for the past two weeks. The first big story is that Albania vowed to protect Europe's last wild river. On a continent where most rivers are dammed, by dammed they mean that most rivers have dams on them. They don't mean that most rivers are condemned. On a continent where most rivers are dammed, the Vyosa is a rare species. Fast, free-flowing, and untroubled by pollution, it runs unimpeded for 170 miles across Albania to the Adriatic Sea. They call it Europe's last wild river. This week, the Albanian government vowed to keep it that way. It committed to protecting the Vyosa and its tributaries on Monday by creating Europe's first Wild River National Park. Riverwatch and other campaign groups have been calling for such a designation for years. The move should safeguard the river and its tributaries from the kind of development many feared would impact this Eden. We have a statement here from Albanian Prime Minister Edi Rama. He stated that Albania's Fiosa is nature's unrelenting force the only survivor of the wild rivers of our continent. Under the protective cloak of the National Park, Vyosa will stay intact for Albania, for Europe, for the planet we want for our children's children. That's a very nice statement. Aid to protect the river will come from an unlikely source, the outdoor clothing company Patagonia, as they have agreed to assist in creating the National Park. That's a first, I think, but I hope it isn't the last, and it's a really good initiative. I hope they succeed. The next big story is that a cyber initiative targeted Russian misinformation. A digital agency in Kiev claims to have launched a cyber campaign to inform Russians about the war in Ukraine and their experiences. Access to information in Russia is strictly controlled by the state. Nebo's Torrents of Truth campaign disguises news reports and eyewitness accounts as films, television series, music files, etc and uploads them to Russian pirate sites. The Kremlin effectively legalized intellectual property theft from unfriendly countries in response to Western sanctions, unwittingly creating an opportunity for Ukrainian journalists to share stories. One of them is Volodymyr Birukov. When I was asked to take part, I immediately agreed, he said. This is a unique platform that will reach out to those who have fallen under the influence of powerful propaganda. Honestly, that's very true. I really hope that this initiative succeeds and opens people's eyes to what's actually happening and motivates them to pressurize their governments to put an end to this war. The next big story is that plans were unveiled for Madrid's Wind Garden. Madrid is to benefit from a new park that will draw on Middle Eastern architecture to keep the city cool. 
The centerpiece of the 14 and a half hectare park in the city's north will be the Garden of Wind, a verdant vertical garden that its designers say will provide natural air conditioning. We have a statement here from Adrian Gauss. I apologize for butchering that name. This is the co-founder of West 8, a Dutch firm behind the design. The statement reads thusly, This large vertical garden will rise above the height of the treetops to capture the high breezes. The air will then be directed down through the garden and to the park below. Similar designs are used in the Middle East to cool houses. I do not know that. That's a really good initiative. I'd love to see more vertical gardens. Next big story is that UK is not divided on gender identity, according to a report. The divisive debate playing out in Westminster and online around gender identity is out of sync with the public's approach to the issue. That's according to a report by the More In Common think tank. It surveyed 5,000 adults from across the political spectrum and concluded that a compassionate live and let live attitude prevails, despite the vitriol swirling around online. According to the research, just 2% of people believe that gender identity, a subject amplified by culture wars, is one of the most important issues facing the UK. That's 2% of the population that believes that. A quarter knew someone who is transgender, and more people agreed than disagreed that a trans man is a man and a trans woman is a woman. Uh, the percentage of the people who agreed is 46%, and the people who disagreed are 32%. Despite a picture of tolerance, 57% of the participants said that trans women should not be allowed to compete in women-only sporting events. Focus groups found that public sees this as an issue of fairness. We have a statement here from More In Common director Luke Trill. From the toxic debate playing out across social media, you'd assume the country is split into trans activists and transphobes. Instead, most Britons take a nuanced, compassionate approach that is rooted in society doing what it can to make trans people feel accepted and comfortable, but which also balances inclusion with fairness. It's good that people aren't as divided on it, and I hope that we are able to provide this vital demographic a much more inclusive solution to the problem that they're facing. The next big story is that the US passed landmark bill to conserve endangered species. The Recovering America's Wildlife Act will create an annual budget of more than $1.3 billion given to states, territories, and tribal nations for wildlife conservation. While threatened species are protected in the US under the 1973 Endangered Species Act until now, there has been no legal requirement to fund work to boost their numbers. Which seems kind of counterproductive, but I'm glad that they're doing it now. In the next big story is that tattoos were developed to monitor blood pressure. This is very interesting, I'll explain why. So tattoos that monitor blood pressure. It sounds like science fiction, but this week the technology was given a grade A rating for accuracy in the US. Blood pressure is one of the most important indicators of heart health, but it's tough to frequently and reliably measure. Enter researchers at the University of Texas, Austin, and Texas A&M University. They developed a temporary electronic tattoo that can be worn comfortably on the wrist for hours and deliver continuous blood pressure measurements. Rusba Jafari, co-leader of the project, described cuffless blood pressure monitoring as the holy grail. Results of the study were published in Nature Nanotechnology. It is a fantastic initiative. I'm really happy to see it. The next big story 
is that there was hope for polar bears. The polar bear has become a poster child for our warming world, with melting ice in the Arctic threatening its very existence. But this week, there was a glimmer of hope for the species after a subpopulation in Greenland was found to be thriving despite a lack of sea ice. It is believed the animals, numbering several hundred, have adapted to hunting on ice that has carved off glaciers. We have a statement here from lead researcher Kristen Laidra, an animal ecologist at the University of Washington in Seattle. This small, genetically distinct group of bears could shed light on how polar bears as a species might persist in an ice-free arctic. The results of this study were published in Nature magazine. Well, I'm happy that polar bears are adapting and finding more ways to thrive in the world that we're in the world that we are affecting as human beings. Part of me does feel sad that they have to do this. Like they shouldn't have to do this. I don't know if maybe it's just me. And that was all the big stories for both weeks. Now let's look at some of the big baby stories. According to another report, hard times have brought us closer together. The pandemic and the cost of living crisis have inflicted hardship on many, but they have also brought us closer together. That's according to new research. It found that 35% of British adults feel closer to their communities than they did before the pandemic. One in five, meanwhile, joined an online community group, while 21% said that they feel less lonely. The survey of 2,000 adults was conducted by Opinion on behalf of Engage Britain a charity that helps bring people together. Julian McRae, its director, issued a statement, The hard times we're living through in Britain have left too many people struggling and isolated. But incredibly, there are millions of us who feel less lonely than before the pandemic because they've connected with the local communities. That's really nice. I like that. I'm glad that a lot of people found friends online. The next big baby story is that overwhelmingly negative news from mainstream media has shrunk its consumer bases. A report that was released last week confirmed that mainstream news is overwhelming people with negative stories and forcing them to avoid it altogether. The research published by Reuters Institute found that 46% of people in the UK alone are unplugging, a rate that's nearly doubled since 2016. 50% of avoiders in the UK said the news had a negative effect on their mood. Their findings emphasize the importance of balancing negative stories with stories about solutions. Daisy Greenwell, acting director of BBC News, issued a statement saying that solution-focused news can put people in a better position to respond to the world's problems because it has a positive impact on their mental health and state of agency. I hope that more news outlets understand this and I hope that the news industry itself can pivot to providing more solution-based stories. The next story is that tackling air pollution would boost the UK economy. A lot of these stories are UK based. I, I didn't I didn't realize. The UK economy would get a 1.6 billion pound a year boost if policies were introduced to bring air pollution levels in line with World Health Organization targets. That's according to another report published on Thursday, compiled by UK100 a network of climate leaders, it claims the economic benefit would come chiefly from healthcare savings. The WHO estimates that 4.2 million people die each year from air pollution globally. The report urged local authorities to introduce clean air targets and align them with net zero policies. Reducing car ownership and insulating homes were among the recommendations. We have a statement here from Polly Billington, Chief Executive of UK100. Aligning clean air and climate policies will save lives and money while accelerating net zero progress. 
We're calling on the government to give local authorities the support they need to deliver clean air, warmer homes and a more secure future for their communities. It's a good initiative and I think it can be implemented in other countries as well. I hope we get to see that soon. I'm pretty sure we will and I hope that the UK succeeds so it sets a precedent. We only have a couple more stories to go so that's nice. The next big baby story is that the EU drafted a milestone law to protect nature. The European Commission this week put forward legislation to reverse biodiversity loss, a move described by nature campaigners as a huge milestone. Under the Commission's proposals, EU member states would have legally binding targets for restoring and protecting a fifth of all land and marine ecosystems by 2030. Other targets include halving the use of chemical pesticides and reversing the decline of pollinators by 2030. Around 100 billion euros or 85 billion pounds will be made available for member states to spend on biodiversity. We have a statement here. The restoration law is a huge opportunity to bring nature back, said Sabian Lehmans, senior biodiversity policy officer at the Worldwide Fund for Nature. But we need to keep in mind the urgency to make sure that the bulk of the restoration action in these ecosystems is not pushed back beyond 2030. This decade must be the turning point to place nature on the path to recovery. Proposals will go to the European Parliament for discussion. It's interesting that this decade is turning out to be much more important than anyone could have imagined. Like, for instance, before, if the pandemic didn't happen, a lot of people wouldn't realize how important it is to have a four-day work week or the opportunity to work from home. Malaysia moved to end the death penalty. Human rights campaigners have welcomed an announcement by the Malaysian government that it will abolish the country's mandatory death penalty. It is a rare sign of progress in a region where capital punishment is routinely imposed even for crimes such as drug offences. The death penalty is incompatible with the fundamental tenets of human rights and dignity, said United Nations in a statement. We will continue to support Malaysia in its efforts towards full abolition. I'm glad that Malaysia ended the death penalty. I'm a little surprised to know that it took this long, but I'm glad that it's here. And I'd like to see the progress that it makes. The last story for the past two weeks is that an alternative to plastic wrapping was developed. Is this the beginning or end of plastic packaging? US scientists are optimistic after they, after they developed a biodegradable, plant-based coating that can be sprayed onto foods. The stringy material is spun from a heating device that resembles a hairdryer and shrink-wrapped over foods. The technology was developed by researchers from Rutgers University, New Jersey. Philip Democrito, director of the university's Nanoscience and Advanced Materials Research Center, issued a statement. We have come up with a scalable technology that enables us to turn biopolymers, which can be derived from food waste, into smart fibers that can wrap food directly. Other firms are developing similar technologies. Last week, it was reported that a German startup has made edible packaging. That's really interesting. The fact that it's made from food waste as well. Oh my god. Like, if it's implemented, when it's implemented in the US, that's going to be a game changer. And I hope that this technology will be available to other countries as well. And with that, we have come to the end of our segment, Two Teaspoons of Positivity. I would like to thank the one person listening to this. I really hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for tuning in. And now I am going to tune out. Bye-bye!